There was a man that called in, received prayer on the prayer line. Oh, no, no, I remember, I remember. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there was this, uh, it wasn't a man. Amen. Amen. So Jesus still heals cancer. Amen. Amen. And so we, we get the calls into the prayer line. Listen, you can call into the prayer line, uh, prayer over the phone. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what time zone. We just need to realize God is so big. Amen. And he's looking for ways to get to people, looking for ways to heal people. So uh, let's give him the opportunities by stepping out and by putting our hands on people and just blessing them and speaking life into them. Amen. All right, well, let's start the timer back there. Not that I go by it, but uh, <laughs> give some of you a sense of, uh, you know, security or something anyway. So, no. Now, yes, uh, also, another thing I just got uh, yesterday, I believe it was, uh, that there is another TV station that has requested our programs in India. And so we will be broadcasting in India also. Uh, I'll get the more of the details as we go along, but that makes about five... Oh, five or six networks now that we are in literally covering the world. Uh, there's one more that I've not approached, and I, I probably will not, but I would expect them to approach us very soon. Uh, that's kind of the same way we always go to places. Uh, <clears throat> we never ask. I will tell God, God, we haven't been to this area, or we need to go to that area. So whoever you have there, tell them to contact us. And usually within a week, we get a contact from that area saying, would you please come? And so, but I've never called anybody saying, can I come preach for you or anything like that? We don't do that. We let God do all of our booking. So that way there's, uh, it works out. Amen. And so, uh, but this is, uh, this will be in India and I believe it's a television station in Mumbai. And so we're, we're excited about that. We're excited to see what God is doing with all this. Cause as uh, you heard earlier, this is not something we were looking for. Not even anything we really wanted, but God has opened it up. And we are really blessed uh, how God is putting these things together. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Now, how many of y'all were here for the 9 a.m. service? Okay. All right. Good, good. All right. Well, in the 9 a.m. service, we discussed, or I didn't say we discussed too much. Uh, I ministered on the understanding that faith is not reasonable. Now, you'll hear the opposite many times from people. Uh, it makes no logical, carnal sense, right? It makes perfect spiritual sense, but it is not reasonable. In other words, you can't reason out faith to get, you can't make reasoning or figure out faith, right? Or how, to, to how faith works uh, in the sense that uh, faith is not something that you just figure out. Faith is just trusting God and you trust God. The more you know him, the more you trust him. And so in this 10 o'clock session, we want to talk about having faith in God or even the command to have faith in God. So we're going to talk about that for just a moment. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Everybody pretty much knows this verse. Uh, we're going to skip to one part of it. 
and it says <clears throat> in verse 22, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Now I've heard this uh, preached different ways. I've heard different people say different things about it. And they say, well, it says, have the faith of God or have faith of God. Okay, right. by looking at all the text, by looking at the, the um, context of the text, uh, we would have to say and agree with the actual King James Version, which actually says, have faith in God, right? Because that's who we are to have faith in. We don't have, I have no faith in divine healing, right? I have faith in the divine healer. Amen. I don't have faith in uh, prosperity or provision. I have faith in Jehovah Jireh. Amen. And so I have faith in God and he meets the needs of mankind in these other areas because he chose to. Not because anybody twisted his arm to try to get him there, but because he chose to. So have faith in God. Now, first off, you'll notice uh, this is a command. It's a statement of, of um, you know, an, a... a a, how we say it? It is a statement of force, is the way one uh, commentary actually said it. I thought it was pretty neat. But go back with me to verse 12. We're going to see how this works here. In verse 12, it says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply, he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it. And notice it says he answered and said unto it. So the fig tree not having any fruit on it was saying something to Jesus, and Jesus answered it. You got that? And here's what he said. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Now what does that mean? That means that Jesus didn't whisper it. He wouldn't have, well, I better say it quiet. That way, if it doesn't happen, nobody will know. You hear that? Faith speaks, and when faith speaks, it speaks loud. Why? Because it wants everybody to hear. It wants God to hear. It wants the devil to hear. It wants demons to hear. It wants angels to hear. Faith speaks. It wants people to hear. Amen? <clears throat> and so they heard it. Now, after this, Jesus and his disciples went into Jerusalem. And I'm not going to read the whole part there because it talks about in the temple and everything. We're going to drop down to verse 19. In verse 19, it starts by saying, And when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Notice, dried up from the roots, right? And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. What was, he, what was he saying? If you were in that situation, you were one of the 12 there with him, then you would automatically, even before he said the next part, you would automatically take Jesus to, to be saying to you, uh, if you said to him, the fig tree you cursed is withered from the very roots itself, and he turns around and says, have faith in God. You would know that he's telling you, hey, yeah, and you could do the same. Amen. <coughs> He didn't say, well, have faith in God and, you know, but don't worry about it because this will never happen for you. He didn't say that. That would not line up with the context of what is being said. Then he says, for verily, absolutely, without a doubt, I say unto you that whosoever. Okay. Now, let me, let me just ask you, how many whosoever's are in this room today? Okay. 
the rest of you, what are you, whatsoever? What, whatsoever? <laughs> okay, so that whosoever, that means you. Is that right? All right. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now, what you're going to talk to? The mountain, right? Be thou removed. Notice it doesn't say, oh, mountain, why are you such a problem? He didn't say that. He said, if you say to the mountain, be thou removed. Now, what is that? That's a command. Is it not? It's a command. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You got that? Now, that's just, this is Jesus. You can't get around this, right? You can't say it passed away. This is Jesus talking. He is our Lord. He's the, the, the king and, you know, commander in chief of the church. Amen. And he said that if you have faith in God, that whosoever shall say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Notice he didn't say pray about the mountain. He didn't say get together a committee and talk about the mountain and how to, you know, dig away at it and create a tunnel through the mountain. Right. He didn't say that. He said, move the mountain. He didn't say you move. He didn't say you go around the mountain. He said, move the mountain. Are you with me so far? Right. But shall believe. All right. No, well, actually, I should go back and shall not doubt in his heart. Now, your heart is all of you. Right. That is where your 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 mind, your soul, your body, everything comes together. That means that for you to walk in faith, you're going to walk in a complete separation from the world and unto God. That means you're going to make a complete break from the thoughts and ideas of how things work the, the world's way, and you're going to decide to believe how things work God's way. You got that? <clears throat> Shall not doubt in your heart. Now notice it doesn't say not doubt in your mind. It says not doubt in your heart. Most people doubt in their mind, and they think they're doubting in their heart. Right? And most of them haven't even got to doubt. They're just hearing doubt thoughts come at you. And you think because you heard a doubt thought, now you're doubting. You're not doubting until you act on the doubt thought, just like you're not believing until you act on the Word of God. You got that? Just agreeing doesn't do it. And so if, if, if it doesn't, okay, if you have to do more than just hear and agree with the Word of God, if you actually have to live it, then you also have to do more than just hear doubts. You got that? Don't think you're in doubt just because you heard a doubt. You're not in doubt until you start to actually doubt, till you start to hesitate, till you start to back off. You got that? And so both require action at some point. Then he says, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. You believe that those things which you say shall. See, shall is future. You got that? Shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You got that? Now, you cannot get around this. This is how faith operates. The number one way that faith operates is through saying. And so you have to decide to believe. And when you decide to believe, you begin to say. And when you say, you believe that what you say shall come to pass. That means that when you say it, it hasn't come to pass. That means you have to start saying it before it comes to pass. You got that? You don't say it after it comes to pass. When you say it after it comes to path, pass, you're not in faith. Right? Anybody can say it after it comes to pass. It takes faith to say it ahead of time. Amen? Now, apply this to your life. 
look at your life. Think of a moment, in some, for a moment, for some situation in your life. In your life, what is wrong? What is not of God? What is not the way God would have it? Right? You say, well, you know, any list of things. Well, then make a list if you need and start knocking them out one by one. Amen? And so you have to decide, okay, this area of my life, for, for myself, healing, uh, there, was a, there was a demand for healing. And I had to learn truth about healing. And I was learning truth. And my, my daughter passed away before I learned really the real functioning of faith. And we were seeing it work, but it didn't work fast enough. But after she passed, we kept digging. We went after it and we pursued it. And, and this is one of the things I'm going to be bringing up a little bit later on if we get that far. But whenever I did that, uh, the reason healing, faith for healing, you might say, or faith in God as the healer, however you want to say it, the reason that was there was not because I just sat down one day and said, oh God, you know, I just need help. Just, you know, just dump some anointing on me and, you know, to give me a gift. Or that, that isn't what happened. I, I investigated healing. Number one, I want to make sure it was true. I want to make, and then I want to know how it functioned. How did it work? What did it, you know, how, how could I make it work? In other words, how could I get the blessing of what God had promised? And so I went after it. I studied. A lot of people, even in my own family, have forgotten how literally we had nothing. I mean, nothing. I, I, there was a point where I, most of you had heard I'd even lost a job and there was no other jobs we were at. I didn't have a vehicle. I couldn't go find another job. It was, things were dire, okay? They were not good. And then in the middle of that, you have relatives around you uh, that tried to emphasize the point that they told you that you're crazy, right? That they told you that this is the way it was going to be. And now it looks like they were right. And so now you got all of that, the pressure of it. You got the pressure of a family. You got a pressure of children and, you know, babies in diapers and a whole bit. And you're trying to say, okay, God, what do I do? Because if there was something I could have done, I would have done it. But there was nothing I could do. So all I could do was trust God, right? Now, that sounds, you know, sometimes that's the best place you can be in, to be honest with you. When people say, doctors say there's no hope, no possibility of cure, nobody's ever been cured of that. Wonderful. Now we can abandon ourselves totally and completely to God. We can push everything else because there is no other help. Amen? And people say, oh, that's horrible. No, that's great. Because now you can be single-minded and go after this thing. Right? Now, whenever all that was going on, uh, people, like, like I said, in my family even, have forgotten that during that time, because I was hearing the voices of those around me. I was also hearing the, the voice of the devil speaking to me every day, constantly, telling me, this isn't going to work, this ain't working, give it up, you know, and just basically sit down and die is what it, my only other option, because there was nothing else I could really do. <clears throat> so instead of giving into that, I had a little desk. It was actually, uh, if you're aware, what they call a TV tray. You know, it folds out. And I had that, and I had my Bible, my Strong's Concordance, and I had a little cassette deck, and then I had cassettes. And they were all faith, um, you know, faith and healing in these areas. And I put those things on, and I put on headphones, and I listened to them, 
and I would get up in the morning, I would go right to that chair and just sit there, sometimes 16, 18 hours a day, and I did nothing else but study the Word of God. I sat there, I went through it, I read the Word, I went into the Greek and found out what the Greek definition was because I wanted to make sure that what I was reading, what I was hearing was true. I found, found out a lot of it was, I found out that some of it wasn't according to the Bible. And so in those areas, I'd make a note and say what this guy said there, that isn't what it says. Well, the Bible says this. And so I did that. And I did that for, uh, at one point, it was about eight, mo- uh, about, eight, about eight months steady like that every day. Every day. Usually 15, 16, 18 hours a day. just kind of dependent. So the reason I'm saying that is because I didn't just sit down and go, well, God can do it. No, if I'd have done that, I'd have probably sat there and died. Or actually what would happen is we would have got kicked out of our place. We wouldn't have had the money to pay the rent. But instead, I decided not to listen to the voice of the people around me. I decided not to listen to the voices from the devil that was, you know, speaking to me too. And I put on the word of God. I put on the headphones and I sit there and I grit my teeth and said, this is truth. And I kept going and I kept going and kept going. And I didn't quit and I didn't stop no matter what anybody said. And believe me, a lot of people were saying a lot of stuff. But I kept on going. And because of that, because of that, I started receiving revelation concerning healing. And so I want you to understand one of the worst things you can do. And again, we're going to talk about this toward the end as as far as I can tell. One of the worst things you can do is look at somebody that is having success in this area and say, well, that's because God blessed them. God gave him a gift. God called him to a special ministry, but that's not me. I'm not called to that. I'm not, no, no, no. You got to understand, it's all faith, right? And you get to choose. And whenever people sit back and go, well, that's them and they're, spe- they're anointed. And they're, no, you're taking glory away from God because what you're saying is that person couldn't help it. That person doesn't have faith in God. That person couldn't do anything. So therefore, I can't do anything. And what you're really trying to say is, I don't want to take responsibility. I want to put it all on God. And so if it falls apart, I can blame God. And that is not God's will. God's will. God said, have faith in God. That's what Jesus said. Our job is to have faith in God. In whatever situation you're in, you can't look and say, well, that person is gifted. They're anointed. They're special. They're, you know, whatever. But that isn't me. no. It's faith. This is what George Mueller said. He said, I don't claim any special gift, any special anything. He said, I have faith in God and I'm going to glorify God by believing what he said about feeding his children. And he did it. And now we have this whole area of anointings, giftings, all this stuff that gives people, they think, the idea that they can actually back off of faith, not move into things, not take any type, of, any type of responsibility. And then they try to blame God because something didn't happen. Listen, faith is available. And if you want it, it's right there. And all you have to do is go get it. Amen? It's just that simple. And I, I will prove this to you right here. So, first off, uh, he said, what things soever you desire, when, in verse 30, uh, 24, he said, therefore I say unto you, why, therefore what? Because you can have what you say. That's what he's saying. Because whatever you say and believe in your heart, you will have. Now, see, the problem is most people believe the wrong things. And right now, you are having in your life what you believe. Do you get that? And what you speak out your mouth. People say, oh, no, I believe in this. No, no, no. What you believe is what you have. And if you don't have what the Bible says you should have, you need to change your believing. 
right? And the way you change your believing is you get in the Word of God, you find out what the Word of God says, and then you drill it into you until nothing else exists except that Word, right? I'm not going to make it any harder or any easier than God Himself has made it. He has made it available. He has made it available to you, and it's up to you to decide what you want to do with it. Now, there's, uh, and also there is a particular reason why I'm bringing this out today because there's been some things that have been uh, coming up and some people have said some things that have, as I've gone even around this country and other places, I keep hearing the same thing. And very honestly, it, it, it bothers me. Uh, it grieves me in my spirit. And I believe it grieves the spirit of God uh, when I hear it. And I'm going to, uh, I will show it to you in just a moment. But the, one of the reasons for today's message is to put a stop to that once and for all, all right? And at the same time, build faith in you. Amen? So, how many of you want faith? Amen. All right, that's good. Now, so he says here, um, Therefore I say unto you, what things, notice things, soever you desire. So I don't care about things. Well, no, you have to if you're going to pray. He says, whatever things you desire when you pray. So when you pray, you're praying about things. Amen? Yeah, people don't like this, but, you know, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. So <clears throat> if you don't like it, I'm sure you can find a Bible nowadays that doesn't say it. I'm not sure. So <clears throat> there he says, believe. Now watch. He says, when you pray, believe that you receive them. So when do you, when do you receive them? Right? You believe that you receive them when you pray. Right? And then he says, and you shall have them. So it shows here that he's saying that you believe you receive them even though you know you don't have them, right? Because he says, if you believe you receive them, you shall have them. So that shows that the shall have is future. But you have to believe that you receive now, right? All right, let me give it to you this way. Maybe this will make it easier. Uh, you go online to order something, uh, you know, I don't know, music or something like that, and you buy it, right? And then you, when you buy it, usually you have to download it or something. But when, as soon as you buy it, then they will send you an email usually and says, here's the receipt, for this purchase. Isn't that right? You get the receipt, right? Now, the minute you have that receipt, you go, okay, this is mine. It proves that you have it. You have received. That's what the receipt is. A receipt is proof you have received, right? And yet, many times you still have to download. But the, the, the receipt proves you have received because you paid for it. You got that? So you can have a receipt, which is saying you have received, even though you have not yet received, right? In some places, you can order something online, then they'll tell you to go there to pick it up. But you have to print out the thing to take with them, your receipt, so that you can pick it up. Right? But when is it yours? The minute it went through and you got the receipt, that's when it's yours. But you still have not yet received it. That make sense? Yeah. So when we talk, see, when we talk about this with faith, people say, oh, that makes no sense. It doesn't, it's just, it doesn't. no, it's, it's the same way the world works in that sense. Right? So don't think it's some weird, wispy thing. It's not. It's very, um, it, you know, as I said in the first service, uh, faith is not reasonable, but yet you can see examples of it even in the natural world. And so maybe sometimes we present that. It helps you go, okay, I can see that. So you, you pray and you believe that you receive and that you receive. What is your receipt? It's this word of God that says you can have it, right? And says it's yours. So now you have received it and you shall have it, right? But notice this is in connection with you saying so you can't say you don't have it and yet believe you have received it and believe that you shall receive it or shall have it because you have to say, I've already got it. Now that makes absolutely no sense. 
That's why I said faith is not reasonable, right? But that's the way it works. People say, well, I don't like that. Well, you didn't admit it, right? So you can't complain about it. And well, I, I don't want to do that. Then do without. Because this is the way you receive. Amen? Now, this, and the thing is, the people that line up with this live in the blessings of God. The people that don't, don't. So it just makes sense to line up with what God said. Right? So now, Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Notice, he's already said they have little faith. And he's saying right now, why? Because they're not even considering that God is going to take care of them. And yet how many Christians are, are so worried about tomorrow, so worried about their future that they're trying to figure out, well, how are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to do this? How, how is this going to happen? All right? If Jesus were sitting at your kitchen table listening to you talk about it, guess what he would be saying to you? Oh, you have little faith. Why are you even worried about this? You have a heavenly father. He will take care of you. Amen? Yeah. So at some point, this, we have to get this. Okay, it's good to have faith projects. We should have faith projects. I've talked about them recently. But you have to also realize faith is not just a project. It is life. It's how you live your life, right? It's not a matter of, oh, here's a problem. Well, let me go build faith for that. No, you, right then, when you see a problem, you, you have to decide right then. What did God say about this situation? Is this God's will? Is it not God's will? What, what would God, what would Jesus say if he were standing right there looking at this situation? What would be his response to it? I mean, imagine, well, you don't have to imagine. You can go in the Gospels and read it. You know, well, Jesus, the people are hungry. Jesus said, feed them. Well, we don't have enough. What does he say? You little faith. Bring me what have you got? What have you got? And they well, we got the little boy's lunch. Well, get that. Right? We'll start with that. Well, that's not enough. Well, maybe not for you, oh, ye of little faith, but it is for me because I believe. Amen? And so we have to realize that when you start to look at faith, faith is not just this situation. It's life. It's how you live. Too often we compartmentalize faith. Now, I'd, I've done the same thing. Uh, I did it with healing in the beginning. And then some, my, actually my board of directors had to correct my views, you know, even on finances and things and how we did things. And I realized that I had let money become a God because it still controlled me, even though I was going the opposite direction of, of actually I'd seen so much of the stuff and the hyper prosperity stuff that I'd gone the other, other direction. But I was still in a ditch on the other side and it was still, money was still a God because it was still dictating my actions. And so I had to realize it was either going to be a God or a tool. And as I said before, it makes a terrible God. When it's your God, you never have enough. When it's a tool, then you can use it to advance a kingdom. But it all comes back to what, how you see it. And so whenever we start to look at faith, we have to realize that our faith in God can meet whatever needs they are. But it's your faith in God. It's not your faith in healing. It's not your faith in prosperity. It's not your faith in any area. It is faith in God about that situation. And so I had to learn. Just as David said, uh, you know, he was with me with the lion. He's with me with the bear. He'll be with me with this Goliath. I had to learn to say the same thing. God was with me with the healing. He was with me in this area. Uh, he'll be with me in the area of finances. I had to learn that, right? And, and it wasn't easy because I'd seen so much of the wrong that it was just ridiculous. And I just didn't want to have anything to do with that. And so, but there has to be a balance 
so that God can actually use you. And the way, the way God did with me was, he said, do I want you to, uh, he said, whenever missionaries come in, do I want you to help support them, give them some money and send them out? Yeah. Uh, do, you, do I want you to support your family and take care of them? Yeah. Uh, do I want you to pay your bills on time so that you have a good reputation in the community? Yeah. Uh, do, do I want you to help build Bible churches or Bible schools and, and plant churches? Yeah. But that takes money. And it takes more than just what it would take for you and your few, you know, your little family. I said, yeah. He said, so you're having faith for you and your family. You're just being selfish. He said, you need to have faith so that you can be able to meet the needs of missionaries, meet the needs of orphans, meet the needs of the, the people that need help, people that ask you for help. I said, that's true. And I said, yeah, that would take more money than it would just for my little family. He said, then quit being selfish and believe me for them and I will meet their needs through you. And so that, had, that was a total shift in my thinking. And, but guess what? When I decided to believe that, I didn't go you know, to my bank account and look at it and all of a sudden there was a bunch of money there for me to start giving out. I had to start giving before I started seeing the increase. Amen? Why? Because I had to show that I believed it before I saw any evidence that it was actually true. And then, and I made a decision. I will start giving to any person that asked me for this. And I made that decision. And believe me, as soon as you make that decision, you have ample opportunity to back off of it. Right? Because you'd be surprised at the people that want help. Right? And so I had to learn how to be able to do that. And I told God one time, I said, God, if I, you know, if I do this, because there was a guy on a corner with a sign, and I'm, you know, I was like everybody else. I see the guy and I look at my radio. You know, I want to start over there. Why? Because I want to ignore him. And God asked, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking at the radio. He said, no, you're not. You're ignoring the man with a sign. And I said, yeah, that's what I'm doing. But, you know, he's going to use it to buy alcohol or something. You know, he, how do you know that? You're judging him. And I said, well, yeah, but it's a pretty good at that bet. You know, okay. I'm judging based on what I'm seeing. And he said, that's not what I said to do. He said, I said to give to any man that asked you. I said, yeah. He said, are you going to do it? And I said, God. I said, I'm, you know, I just don't want to waste your money. He said, if it's my money, do what I tell you to do with it. I'm like, let me rephrase that, okay? <laughs> you know? But then finally, I, I told him, and I reached, you know, rode down the window, gave the man some money. The man said, oh, God bless you. And I said, he does. That's why I can do this. And so I got to talk to him a little bit, and then the light changed, and I had to go. And then, I, guess what? I go a couple of blocks down the road, and there's another traffic light. There's another man with a sign, you know? And finally, I told God. I said, God, if I do this all the way home, I'll be broke before I get home. <laughs> I, he said, I, he said, uh, I filled your pockets the first time. I can do it again. I said, yeah, you just got an answer for everything. You know, it's just, <laughs> and, and I, I had a discussion with God and I had to learn, you know, and then you, well, I can go into the whole thing, how you start separating your money, you know, because you don't want to look in your pocket and go, hang on just a minute. Over here. Uh, 20, no, I don't want the 20. I want to, oh, wait, here's a five. Wait, no. Oh, there is a one. Here you go. <laughs> you know, you don't want to do that. So what do you do? You separate your 20s and 10s in one pocket, your 5s and 1s the other. So, you know, you just reach in and take it. There you go. It don't look near as bad on you. But God still sees. Right? He sees it when you're loading your pockets. Right? And he knows why you're doing it. So you have to decide. And then you start to reach. He goes, not that pocket. And you're like, not that pocket. I'm not going to that pocket. So he goes, that's the pocket I want. Right? Why? Because that's what God does. See, that's what you have to realize is that God wants... And if you read in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that uh, uh, <clears throat> Abel gave a more excellent uh, sacrifice, which is why Cain got upset. 
right? And so, why? Because Abel gave God the best, and Cain tried to give him less, right? What he didn't ask for. And we have to realize that God doesn't ask for the, well, here, let me, God, I want to give you a sacrifice. I want to give you this, this little animal here. You know, uh, it, 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 it fell, and we call him old cripple because he fell and broke his leg. And, you know, he's not going to do us any good. So, God, I'll, I'll sacrifice him to you. And God says, that's not what I want. I don't want the cripple. I don't want that one. I want this one. And he said, God, that, that's, that's, my, that's my pet. That's the one. That, when, when that one was born, uh, the mother died. And I had to feed it with a bottle. And I, I loved it. My kids loved it. It's like a pet. I mean, it, it's in our house. This little pet, this is, God, you can't have that one. It's, that's what I want. God, why do you want that one? Because I want to know that you love me when you do it. And I've seen how you've been doting over that. Well, guess what? When you start doting over your wallet, God's going to say, that's what I want. Because God doesn't judge by what you put in. God judges by what you keep out. Because you, you, you put in enough that leaves you enough to get by with. And when you keep back enough to get by with, the get by with becomes your God. Because that's what determines how, how much you get back. And God says, I'm watching what you keep back, not what you put in, in that sense, right? That's why whenever Jesus told the woman with the widow, the, the widow with the widow's might. That's what he told her. He said, when he told the Pharisees, you, you put in out of your abundance. You put in enough because you, you got a lot of extra and you put in more than she did, but she put in more than you did because she put in everything she had. She, she gave 100% and you gave 10, right? He said, well, isn't 10% all we're supposed to give? That's, that's a starting number. Nothing wrong with that. But if you want to be blessed, you go beyond what's necessary. Amen? Yeah, I'm trying to help you here. Right. We've already received the offer and I'm not going to do another one. You know, you're OK. It's, it's OK. Right. Amen. But if you get a hold of this principle, you learn to live generously. You learn to live liberally. You know, two areas most people, most Christians need help in healing and finances. And the, and the thing is, if most of you got healed, you wouldn't have near as much trouble in your finances because the finances go to get you healed. But if you learn to live in health, you would have more finances. But the other area is in finances. Now, I can talk about healing all day long. People clap, holler, get excited. I start mentioning finances. Everybody's like, oh, he's going to take up an offering. No, I'm not. You know, if, I, if I thought that way, I, I would purposely not take up an offering. Why? Because I don't look to you for that. I'm not looking to you for my, my supply. God meets my needs. Amen? I don't receive, an, I don't receive a, a you know, paycheck from this church. That's why I can speak freely. Right? Because I don't care if you give or not. If you don't give, that's you. Right? If, if you, I'm telling you this so you, so you can be blessed. Amen? And I don't tell you just to give here. You, you never heard me say that, right? There, there's other places that you can also help, and orphans and missions and that kind of stuff that you are to be given into. Amen? And say, the Bible says, let him that stole steal no more so that he has to give to those that have need. Right? And so, have you ever thought about having a job where you thought, you know, I'm, I'm going, God's going to meet my needs. I'm working just so I have a, some money to give to orphans, to Bible Imagine, imagine if you lived that way. You know, that'd be a George Mueller lifestyle. And you know what? You would live and you would have the supply George Mueller had. It's amazing. Some people, you know, I, I hope somebody's hearing under the sound of my voice, maybe, by, maybe it's by internet. I don't know if it's you or them or what. I don't know. But maybe somewhere there's a few people that actually hear the voice of God in this and actually say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to go after this thing. And I'm going to glorify God by what he's going to do through me to help other people. Imagine that. Imagine what the church could do. Listen, the government is not responsible. And, and we've, we've put onto the government the responsibility of taking care of the poor and the needy. That is not the, the responsibility of the government. 
That is the responsibility of the church, right? Because what you win people with, you win them too. And if you uh, meet people's needs by the government, then you are creating slaves of the government. And what we need to do is be winning people to Christ. And we do that by showing them we care, by feeding them, clothing them, uh, helping them, praying for them, ministering to them. Amen? And when you do that, they will come into the church. They will come to the body of Christ. Amen? Boy, you're awful quiet. See, I told you, I'd start about money and everybody gets all nervous. And yet, you'll go home and try to figure out how you can make more. Isn't that something? You'll sit around all day. How can we increase this? How can we do that? Maybe I ought to get a better job. Maybe I'm telling you how to do it. Give to God. Amen? You cannot outgive God. It's amazing. It is amazing. He will meet your needs. Trust him. He's a good God. He'll take care of you. Amen? He said he would right there. He said he'll take care of what you wear, what you, what you eat, all that stuff. He'll take care of all that. And he'll treat you better than you would treat yourself. Amen? Okay. All right. <clears throat> we'll see. <laughs> so, all right. Now, notice he says in verse 31, Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles that don't have a God. That's how they seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Things. You hear that? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You hear that? You seek the kingdom, things get added to you. You seek things, you don't get the kingdom or the things. Right? It makes sense. Seek the kingdom. The other stuff falls in line. Okay? And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two. 22. Having faith in God is a command. Right? It's not a choice. It, there is a choice to having faith, but you don't get to choose. Well, today I'm going to live by faith, but tomorrow I'm going to live by what I can do for myself. No, you're going to live by faith. Okay? Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. So now we know first that we are commanded to have faith. <clears throat> now we know it is impossible to please God without faith. Is that right? For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without, so without faith, it is impossible to please God. True or false? Is that true or false? So with faith, you please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right? So if you're going to please God, you're going to walk in faith. Amen? That means anything that you do that is not done in faith doesn't please God. You mean if I lay hands on the sick and they get healed, uh, and, but I'm not doing it in faith towards God, that, that, that's not pleasing God? Yep, that's what I'm saying. You say, well, how could they get healed? Is it because maybe they're trusting. Maybe, maybe you're not even having faith in God. Maybe they're having faith in the fact that when you touch them, they're going to get healed. I've, I've, I've known some people that got healed that way. I knew I wasn't using my faith when they got healed. I, I, I could tell you right then, I wasn't believing. And why? Because I was looking at their situation rather than looking to God. And they got healed anyway. And I was surprised. And if you're surprised, it wasn't your faith that did it. <laughs> Amen? You got to remember that. Whoever surprised, they weren't involved in faith. Right? Now, I'm amazed. But now, understand, you can be amazed and not surprised. Right? You can be amazed. You can look at something God does and go, wow, that is amazing. And that is awesome. And yet, you're not surprised. Right? And so, you can be amazed, but not surprised. Now, so... The next logical question, if uh, we are commanded to have faith, if it's impossible to please God without faith, then what is the next logical question? It is simply this. How do you get faith? 
And people say, oh, okay, I know where we're going now. Okay, well, you may know part of it, but we'll see. I remember I, I learned a whole lot about faith uh, by listening to Tulsa and by going there. I learned a lot about faith, but I didn't learn faith until I went to South Bend and was with Dr. Sumrall because that's where I saw a man walk by faith and he lived it every day. And it wasn't just people, you know, preaching faith or talking faith. He lived it. And I saw that. So <clears throat> Romans 10, 17, the verse you all thought I was going to. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now that word there, word of God, is the Greek word rhema. And remember, rhema is the logos that you act upon and live by, right? <clears throat> so if you don't know that, if, if, if that's new to you, then I have a teaching on rhema versus logos. You ought to go listen to it. Rhema is not what you've heard it was, right? Rhema isn't whenever you're going along and God just quickens it to you. That is not rhema, right? Rhema is the logos you act upon. We are commanded to be doers of the logos. That's what James uh, 1, 20 and 21, 22 says, that be therefore doers of the word, logos. So we are to be doers of the logos, the written word in context, not just doers of a word that God quickens to you, right? You can't use that excuse. Well, God didn't quicken it to me. No, he doesn't have to. It gets quickened when you do it, right? That's how it gets quickened. So you do the Logos, and when you do the Logos, it becomes the rhema. So then faith comes by hearing, but how does hearing, what is, what is hearing and how does hearing come? Hearing comes by doing the Logos that you have heard. When you do the Logos, now you know the truth of it, and faith is there to accomplish what is, needs to be done, right? So really, it's just acting on the Word of God causes faith to grow in your heart. Now, Luke chapter 17 Verse 5, it says, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Now, it sounds like a decent request, right? Increase our faith. God, yeah, Jesus, you want us to have more faith? You want us to please God with faith? So how to, give, give us more faith. Increase our faith. And you'll notice whenever they said increase our faith, Jesus didn't say, all right, gather around here. Let me lay hands on you. Uh, Father, increase their faith. Right now, faith grow in Jesus. He didn't do that. You never find that. Why? Because that's not how faith comes. You got that? Sitting around, I remember Dr. Sumrall. He was in uh, Jerusalem, actually. And he was, uh, he was actually in bed one night. And he'd been praying for a long, long time. And he was praying, God, give me faith. God, I want faith. God, give me more faith. I want faith in you, God. I want more faith. And he kept praying and praying and praying. And one night, he's lying there in bed uh, next to his wife, Louise. And he was just praying under his breath. And he's just praying, God, just give me more faith. I just want more faith. And he said, God spoke to him and said, will you shut up? And he said, God, why would, you why would you tell me that? I just want more faith. And he said, I don't want you to wake up your wife. Get up and go upstairs. And they would go up on the roof because they had a, a rooftop here. And he said, go up on the roof. I want to talk to you. And so he said, he got up, went upstairs, got on the roof. And when he got up there, he said, what? And he said, now I can talk to you. And he said, and you can talk to me and we won't wake up Louise. Now think about that, right? And so he says, God, I just want faith. And he said, did I ever say that praying for faith is how you get faith? He said, well, I, I don't know that you did. And he said, that's because it's not how it comes. And he said, first, you start saying faith. He said, then you start doing faith. And he said, if you want to know what faith is, go to Hebrews 11. And he said, and don't just go read Hebrews 11. Go find out who's in Hebrews 11 and then go back and read their life 
and see how those people lived faith because their lives were such that I could actually put them in the book as examples of faith. And so he said that's what he started doing. He started studying the lives of these people and found out what faith was. But the key is this. Faith does not come by saying, increase my faith. Right? Faith doesn't come by wishing, hoping. Uh, you know, it doesn't come any other way than the way he said it comes. Right? Now, he says here, and the Lord said, okay, let's go back to verse 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree. Now, notice I'm going to take this and break it down a little bit for you. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, first off, there's two things here. A grain, which means small, a seed, right? But the word seed means and is signifying something you plant, right? And so you need, you can have the smallest thing to plant. But if you do, if you have that small of faith, it will work for you. You got that? So now we know that volume is not the problem. You got that? If the smallest grain, you know, smallest seed of faith will move a mountain, then we know that volume is not the problem. You got that? So when we say increase our faith, he's not talking about give me more faith in the sense of volume, fill me up so I have more. He's talking about having a greater faith to trust more. You get that? And listen carefully. He says here, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, the King James says, you might say unto the sycamine tree. Now, the word might say is actually one word in the Greek. If you go back to the Greek text, it's not might say, not two words. It's one word. And it literally means, it's, it's the Greek word. It's, number, it's from number 3004 in Strong's Concordance. I, I give you all these details so you can go back and look them up. Right? And it is the Greek word lego. Just like legos, like the little toys, spelled the same way. Okay? But it, it, is, it comes, it's a, uh, a form of the word logos, right? And, now watch, it means this, to lay forth, to relate in words, usually a systematic or set discourse. Now, it, it has nothing to do with might. Well, you know, are you going to go? Well, I might go. That means, yeah, you might, you might not, right? He's not saying you might say. Meaning, well, you might say, you might not say. No, that's not. If it's faith, if you have faith at all, you will say and you will lay it out in a set discourse. Do you get that? In other words, you're not going to just, well, you know, mountain, if you want to move, it, it'd be good. It'd really, really be nice. No, he's not saying that. He said you will lay out a discourse toward this thing and say, mountain, let me tell you what you're going to do. Now, you're going to move because I'm telling you to move, because Jesus said, I can tell you to move, and you're going to move. So that's why you're going to move. So mountain, move. You see, that would be a set discourse. You got that? No ifs, ands, or buts. Well, mountain, you can, you might, maybe not. I, you know, if it's, if, it, if it's God's will and your will, no, it has nothing to do with the mountain's will. Amen? It has to do with your will and God's will being aligned to accomplish God's will. So he says here, if you do that, and you say, be thou plucked up by the root. Remember the tree that Jesus cursed? How, how did it wither? From the root, right? <clears throat> and be thou planted in the sea. And, and it says, it should obey you. It's stronger than should. And not like, well, it should obey you. Because see, in English, we use different words. But it's saying, 
it will obey you. It, there's no option. You get that? But this is what you have to decide. You have to decide there is no option. It will be this way. That's one. Recently, I talked with uh, Lester Summerall uh, Jr., uh, the grandson of Lester Summerall. And it was funny because we started talking. I knew him when he was a little kid. Uh, he was one of the first people I met when I went up there. And we started talking a little bit, and uh, I was reminding him some of the things or going, relating some of the things uh, that Dr. Summerall had said to me when I was there and I, about how he got us a car. And he told uh, Brother Murphy, which was his right hand and actually his brother-in-law, and he said, get this couple of cars by 5 o'clock, and I don't mean maybe. And I said that, and Lester Summerall Jr. started laughing. He goes, yeah, he, he used to say, I don't mean maybe. He said, yeah, that's, that's, that's granddad. And so we started sharing some things about memories and different things. It was really awesome to be able to spend the time uh, talking to him about it. And so, but there's, that's, that's what you have to have in you. You have to decide whether you say it or whether you just believe it. You have to decide, I don't mean maybe. In other words, there is no other option. You know, you've heard the story about the, the, the um, army that moved in and when they, they landed, they burnt their ships and they said, now there's nowhere to go but forward. And, you know, some say, well, it didn't happen. It did happen. Who knows? But the idea behind it is perfect. Why? Because you have to burn your ships. You cannot have a plan B. You can't say, well, I'm going to trust God. But if it doesn't, okay, go ahead and do the if because you've already moved out of faith, Right. You have to decide, this is the way it will be. And then someone comes up and says, yeah, but what if it doesn't? No, there is no what if. This is the way it will be. You know? And you know what? When this happens, here's what's, here's what's going to happen. People are going to get upset with you. They're not going to like you. Right? Do you realize in Jesus' hometown, they didn't like him? Do you get that? They, they, they loved his preaching to some degree. But when he started saying, uh, this day, this is fulfilled in your ears. I'm the one that this, that this is talking about. All of a sudden, who do you think you are? And they let him out. We're going to toss him off of a cliff, right? Every, you read through the Bible. Day, okay, David. David's brothers didn't like him. Why? Because he was pretty much the youngest, right? And they brought, let me prove to you, they didn't like him. The prophet comes in and says, Jesse, gather all your sons. He gathers all his sons, except David. So here's the one son that doesn't get, they don't even call him in. I mean, if you had a prophet, the prophet, visit your home, you would at least think, man, go get David. At least he should meet this guy. You know, surely he's not going to call David the next king, but still David should meet him. They didn't even think of that. I'd leave him out there. We'll tell him about the prophet coming around later. When he comes in tonight, we'll talk about it. They didn't even go get him, right? That doesn't show much uh, affection for David, right? You want another one? Joseph. Now, you want to get drastic? Joseph is a perfect example, right? Now, admit it he might not have been the sharpest tack in the box. When you start having dreams that all your brothers are going to bow down to you, you might not want to share that, right? Especially if you're going on a trip together where there are pits, right? Because that's what they did. They took him. And I mean, you think about it. I can, I, can, I can understand. I've known families where the people didn't get along. But to go as far as to drop him in a pit and to take his, his clothing and kill an animal and wipe it in blood so you can go back and tell his dad he's dead? I mean, that's a pretty hard line. I mean, that's, that's, that's over the top. Amen? So he, Joseph wasn't just, well, I don't like him. No, I mean, they did not like him, right? And then, but yet, even with that, God had already made provision because there was a caravan coming along that had already left that's going to take him into Egypt. He's going to end up being a blessing back to his family, right? So just because you're in that situation doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. It means, oh, hang on. 
you're just in this uncomfortable place for a little while because I'm taking you to your destiny. You get that? But too often we look at God, why have you forsaken me? God says, I'm not forsaking you. I'm sending a caravan right now for you. And, and but now you get it. when he got out of the pit, he went with a caravan. Then he ended up in prison. Why? For doing the right thing. Isn't that right? Potiphar's wife made advances toward him. And what did he do? He tried to run away and she grabbed his clothes and ripped some of his clothes and he ends up in prison. And even that can't stop it. And while he's there, now he starts giving interpretations of dreams and pretty soon, guess what? Now he's next to the king. He's the highest person in all the land. Why? Because you can't stop God's destiny if you keep doing what's right. Amen? If you don't give up, if you don't get bitter toward God, start saying, God, why? Why did you do this to me? Why? I hear that all the time from people. People complaining toward God. Well, I don't know why God would do this. If God would be this and do this to me, then, you know, I, I'm not going to have anything to do with God anymore. Okay, first off, you're accusing him for stuff he didn't do. And secondly, you don't want to cut yourself off from God. Why? Because there's only one other place to go when you do. Right? And so all these people, uh, people now think they are equal with God. And we have to realize, you know, as they always say, two things. There is a God and you ain't him. Right? That's what you have to remember. As long as you keep that, it generally keeps somewhat of a level head. Amen? But here's the thing. When you start walking in faith, you're going to talk like God. And you're going to act like God. Right? But you know that it's God that's doing it through you. And you know that it's God that's going to bring it to pass. Amen? But still, there are going to be people around you that don't like you because you talk faith, because you walk in faith. Get ready for it. There will always be that. There always has been that. There will always be that. I was listening to some Dr. Summerall the other day, and he was even talking about Smith Wigglesworth, and he was talking about what he knew about Smith. And he said, you know, there are denominations now, Pentecostal people, that don't like when people talk about faith. And he said, and, but they love Wigglesworth. And yet what people are saying about faith today, Wigglesworth lived by. And they love Wigglesworth, but they don't like people talking faith. And they think that they've gone too far. And they've admitted there have been people that have gone to extremes that was never meant, especially when it's to heap things upon yourselves. You know, faith was given to you so that you could be blessed, so that you could be a blessing to somebody else. Amen? Not so you can just heap it up for yourself and talk about how much faith you have. The key is, uh, like James said, don't, don't tell me you got faith. Show me faith. Show me how you feed the hungry. Show me how you clothe the naked. Show me how you feed orphans and take care of orphans and widows. That's proves faith. Amen? Not just, well, this is my new house, my new car. You know, now I got two swimming pools. You know, it's, you can only swim in one at a time, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, we, we, we got our mansion, you know. We got a mansion, 36 bedrooms, really. How many is in your family? Oh, it's just me and my wife. Wow, y'all must really not get along. If you, if you need... You need that many rooms. <laughs> anyway, totally different subject. We will preach about next week, maybe. I don't know. What's it? Anyway, he says, <clears throat> Be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it will obey you. But which of you? Now notice he's still talking. They ask him, increase our faith. And here's what he says. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he's come from the field, Oh, go and sit down to meet. In other words, you've been out working. You're, you're my servant, but you've been working. Now you come in and I'll feed you. You sit down and I'll take care of you. He said, you're not going to do that. Instead, what's going to happen? He says, and will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunken and afterward you'll eat and drink. So in other words, he said, which of you would have a servant? 
that you would, when he comes in, you would say, I'm going to feed you. No, you wouldn't do that. Instead, you would say, listen, you've been working all day and that's good. But now you just got one more job. You're going to, you're going to fix supper for me and I'm going to eat. And to say most people are sitting thinking, well, that's not right. Isn't it? Okay. You have to understand the culture we have today is not the culture of then, right? And the culture of servanthood then was such that, yeah, you've worked and now come in and you got one more job and then you can relax. But now notice, what is he saying? He's still talking about faith. He's not talking about servants. He's talking about faith, but he's talking about faith as a servant. Do you get that? Your faith will serve you. In other words, it will do what you need it to do, right? And what he's saying is, just because you had this victory, just because your faith has done this thing, you don't just go sit back and go, well, it's been good. Faith has done this. No, when he comes in, you say, ah, you finished that? Here's another project. In other words, keep your faith busy. Keep it active. That's why I asked a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> what is your faith project? Where are you putting your faith? Stretch yourself into faith. You know, any one of us in this room could be a George Mueller. Why? Because God is not a respecter of persons. And you say, but yeah, but he had faith. Well, so do you, right? His faith was just developed. Let's, let's read on. He says, does he... Not, does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I don't think so. So likewise you, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, you hear it? Once you've done everything you're supposed to, then you are to say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. In other words, don't just do your duty. Go beyond. Keep your faith working. Amen? Now, number one. First off, Jesus did not say you had to have a certain level of faith. He said if you had faith as a seed, which means small, plantable, and persistently growing. Okay? He didn't say you had to have a certain level. Now, you could, he said that you could purposely speak to a tree and it would obey you. This was not hypothetical and it wasn't hyperbole. Right? Jesus actually spoke to a physical tree and it obeyed him. Now, if you don't believe that that's possible, then we have already found a limit to your faith. One of the things that God has been emphasizing to me more and more, especially literally since we returned uh, from Europe, uh, when I was at George Mueller's, it's really a lot of stuff happened. Actually, it started a little bit before that when we were in Berlin, but uh, God has been building this stuff. And we, <laughs> I was talking with my wife the other day, and I said, yeah. <clears throat> Um, I don't know how, to, I'm trying to say this accurately. There are no limits to what you can do for God with faith. The only limits is our complacency. It's what we, it's what we, what we get, sat what we're satisfied with. It's another thing Dr. Sumrall said. He said, you Christians, you, you, your big problem is you're too quickly satisfied. He said, don't be satisfied. Move forward. Always be stretching. And that's really what I've been hearing the Spirit of God say over and over again. He said, don't, don't just say, okay, well, we've done this project of faith. And we've done this. Don't sit back and make a list of things that you've done. Instead, be looking at the things you can do that's never been done. Amen? We can do some things through faith. And that's awesome because when you look at faith, you can say, well, we can do this. Uh, but then you start looking, well, how much does that cost? It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how much it costs. Why? Because it's faith in God and he has no limits. Amen? 
Now, if you get a hold of this, you can apply this to your family finances. You can apply it to your, to your, to your family's health. See, people always say, well, but the doctor said, the doctor's not God, right? What has God said? How, what can you believe? How far can you believe God? Amen? How far will you go believing in God? You know, you have to decide what your limits are because God has none. And that's all I'm trying to get across to you. Any limits you have, it's limits you've set, not limits God has set. Amen? Amen. So, number two, if you wait to be told exactly what to do, and even if you do it, you're still classified by Jesus as an unprofitable servant. Is that true or not? Is that what he said? That's what he said, right? Okay. Number three, you should use faith like a tool to get things done for yourself and for the kingdom of God. God expects everything. We, we separate our lives and we think, well, you know, I'm working this job and that takes care of this. And then I come to church and church is spiritual stuff. But my natural life is over here. And, you know, and I can't expect God to help me with that stuff. I mean, come on, you've got to use common sense there. Uh, you know, you got to do this. And it's and this is what you and I've had people say, Curry, you just don't understand. This, this is how things work. Well, maybe in your world. But I refuse to be a part of that world. I, I refuse to be of the world. I choose to be a part of the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom, that's not how things work. In the kingdom, listen, God, well, I'm going to say something that's really going to, wow. God's ultimate plan. Okay. Well, first, I'll get you to agree with me. Right? And then if I get you to agree with me, maybe what I'm going to say after that won't, uh, well, it won't give you any room to wiggle out. <clears throat> so, is God's ultimate plan for you to grow up to look like Jesus? Yes. To be like Jesus? Not just look like, be like him. Is that, is that God's ultimate plan? Is that where you're headed? Yeah. Okay, All right. <clears throat> what, what jobs did Jesus have? I mean, he, he, he was known as a carpenter. Son of a carpenter. Actually, in one place it does say he was a carpenter, but it's very minor. But we have no uh, record of him carpenting. Okay? God's will for him was not that he be a carpenter. Right? God's will was that he be the savior of mankind. Right? A preacher, a teacher, a healer. Right? And as he is, so are we in this world. Amen? See, if you look at whatever job you do as your divine calling, you will never be what God wants you to be. Because God did not call you to be whatever you do. He called you to be like his son. Do you get that? And, his, and as his son, Jesus depended on the Father for everything. Now listen, I am not telling you to go in tomorrow and quit your job. Right? What I'm telling you is, Quit looking at your job as though, number one, it's God and that it determines your level of blessing. God can bless you beyond your job. Amen? And number two, don't look at it like it's God, that it demands things of you that God hasn't told you to do. Because, I, I mean, myself, and listen, I can speak this, you know, I don't talk to people a whole lot about drugs and alcohol because I never dealt with it. I, I've never been involved in it, all right? I uh, made vows to God, kept them, and I, so I was never involved in that aspect. 
So I, and, and I can tell people, hey, it's wrong, it's not good, you know, it'll kill you. I can do all that, right? Because it's all true. But I'm not going to get into the details of it because I don't know what it's like because I've never done it, right? But this I can tell you. I've had jobs and I've quit them because I could not go to a conference, right? I told them I need this time off. And if they'd have given me the time off, I would have stayed and kept working, taken the time off, went and came back and worked. But they said, no, we can't give you that time off. You know what I said? Bye. Why? Because faith and getting faith in God was more important to me than that job. Now, admitted, I'd never had a career because I didn't want a career because I knew that my purpose in life was to be in ministry, right? So any other job didn't matter to me. Why? Because I didn't have jobs that required degrees and things like that. Uh, I, you know, I went, well, was, I was headed that direction uh, and, and went to some college and stuff on it, but I, I knew that wasn't where God was taking me. But I knew this. And see, here's the beauty. Can I, can I give you maybe the secret you've been looking for? I realized the other day how good it is to be so free that nobody, no devil, no company, nothing can dictate to me what I have to do. Do you get that? I am completely free to do whatever God tells me to do. I, I have no, no company can tell me when I can take off, when I can do this, when I can do that. And, you know, and the funny thing is people say, oh man, that'd, that'd be awesome. I just sit around the house all day and you know, just, uh, well, and that's probably why you're not there. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you know, my wife tells me all the time, you got to take a day off. You know, when are you, you going to take a day off? When are we going to do this? Or when and it's like, I don't need a day off. Why? Because I love what I do. You know, on Sundays, I get to preach. And, and honestly, it's almost like the Sundays are an interruption to how I live my life, right? I don't live for the Sunday service. I, this is not the highlight of my week, right? And I love preaching. Why? Because I love to share truth. But what I love is living a life where I can walk with God. And I can do that all day, every day, right? And I don't have somebody, you know, barking over my shoulder saying, get this done, get that done, do that kind of stuff. Because no. number one, God doesn't have to do that to me. God doesn't have to say, would you hurry up? Come on, get up. Go, you know, wait. I, I wake up in the morning and I, I get out of bed very, I don't lay there forever, you know, think, oh, I got to do this today. I, gotta go. I don't think that way. When I wake up, I'm excited. Why? Because I love my life. I love it. Why? Because I have a different life than the life I used to have. That life, I hate it, right? But the life I have now with God, I love it. Why? Because I get to walk with him all the time. And every day is a new day. And I go, wow, God, what are we going to do today? You know, faith yesterday, that's good. But it was manna yesterday. We got manna today. I mean, today's a brand new day. And so I look at how I live my life and I don't need a day off. I don't, I don't need a vacation. Why? Because when you find what you love, it's, it's, I always heard that, you know, find what you love to do and you'll never have to work another day in your life. That is so true. Why? And yet, I promise you, I work harder probably than most of you do. Why? Because I don't do it out of, uh, you know, grudgingly. I, I love doing what I do. And, and you know, and, and it's funny because we were talking about it, and I, I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, I am doing what I saw 30 years ago. And I'm there. I'm, I'm walking this out, and I'm seeing it, and life is exciting, and I don't need a break. You know, this, every day is better. Why would I want to take a break in that? Why would I want to stop 
the momentum of the Spirit of God whenever I'm just showing up and going, what are we doing today? He goes, let's do this, you know, uh, let's, let's, let's move this mountain. Yeah, let's do that. And so I don't need that break. Amen. I'm looking for bigger mountains to cast out of the way. That's what I'm looking for. Why? Because I just want to see how far this faith thing will go. I just want to see what, what can, is there any limits? Is there any limit to what God can do? Anybody say, well, no, of course not. Well, then let's see him do some big things. Amen. And people say, well, you know, I'm just going to let my little light shine. You ain't got a little light. You got the light of the world in you. Amen. And when you let it shine, it glorifies God. Amen. I mean, think about it. A little bitty building, 40 by 60 feet in Los Angeles on a, a three block street off in the corner was a livery stable at one time. That little building was packed. And yet those people there changed the world, literally changed the world because of what they believed and lived. Think about that. Think, people say, well, you know, if we ever get that big, we can do that. No, 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 no. You have to remember, Gideon, when you get that big, sometimes you got to send people home, right? Why? Because it's better to have a few that believe God than 10,000 that are not. I, <laughs> I heard um, something, I got a, some recordings of Dr. Summerall recently that had never been put out before. And I got it from his uh, grandson. And it was funny because I was there, I was present, I mean, I was there whenever they were preached, I'd, but he had preached it on the road, so I didn't get to hear it. And in this, he says, you know, there are some people that, he said, there's all kinds of faith. And he said, and some people have sucker faith. And I thought, okay, this is one I hadn't heard. I've never heard Dr. Summerall talk about sucker faith. He said, ask people that they'll find somebody that has faith and they jump onto them and they're like those sucker fish that'll jump on a whale or on another fish and they just, they just come and they suck all the faith out of you and then when it, as soon as they detach from you, they, got, they still have no faith. They don't, they don't take it and do anything with it. They just suck it all out of you and they expect you to do everything for them. And he said, and they have sucker faith. He said, Lot was like that. Lot had sucker faith. You, you read, every, he was not, his father died. He was Abraham's nephew. So he took him on. He raised him, treated him great, did everything for him. And he hung around Abraham and he learned how to be prosperous. And then you see him prosper. And then, but yet every time he gets away from Abraham, he's, he gets in trouble. Every time. He ends up at the city of the gate and, you know, of Sodom and Gomorrah, or he ends up being taken captive by the five kings and all these kind of things. And he says, but when he's with Abraham, he does great because he's living off of Abraham's faith. And he said, but he had sucker faith because he never got faith for himself. And he always had to have Abraham bail him out. And we have to realize there are people in the church today that that's what they have. They have sucker faith, that the only faith they have is the faith they have in somebody else to get their stuff done for them. And we have to realize that that is not what God intends. God intends you to learn faith so that you can take and live by it. Amen? So anyway, we can go on with that. It's, when you start looking at faith and you realize that the, the opportunities that are in faith, it's phenomenal. Because you can't fail with faith. You get that? You cannot fail. Why? Because you've got the God of heaven and earth backing you up. And some of you need to know that. Some of you, you know, there's people right here. Well, if I ever got the money together, I'd start a business. Trust God to get you the money. Start the business. Move toward that direction. Uh, you know, well, what do you know about it? Well, you know, I don't know that much about business. Then start looking into business. See what it takes. Get a business plan. Put it together. God will bless it. But if you just sit there with your hands folded, he can't bless that. 
He can take what you do wrong and fix it. But what he can't do is take your nothing and do anything with it. He can't even multiply nothing because nothing multiplied is still nothing. But you can do something and even if you do it wrong, he can fix it and bless it. Amen? So at some point you think, well, I know about someday. No, no, no. It's not someday. It's now, today. Today, trust God and watch what he will take you into. But you have to head that direction. Otherwise, you're just sitting doing nothing. Amen? You want to be led? Well, you got to be moving to be led. When you're just sitting, can't be led to just sit. Right? Now, every person in this room, this is the part I said a while ago that people, most people wouldn't like. God's will for every person in this room is that you be missionaries to whatever world, whether it's across the ocean, whether it's to the banking world, the you know, car world, or, you know, the uh, car sales, whatever, who cares what it is. But the point is that every one of us, God wants every one of us like Jesus. He wants every one of us to our, for our minds to be on Him, on the Father, on the Son, the Holy Spirit, all the time. He wants us to be so heavenly minded, we are earthly good. Amen? Amen? And so He wants us to live. He doesn't, we have this idea that this is my life and this is my job, my career. And then you limit God to that. And God wants to do much more than that. Now, he can work through that, but he wants you to be more than that. Why? Because he wants you to be free to do what he tells you to do when he tells you to do it. Amen? Amen. I've heard so many people, you know, I was called to be a missionary, but just never could get to going in. And now I'm too old. You're never, never too old. Right? You're not too young. You're not too old. You just need to get started. Right? My only regret is I didn't start sooner. I wish I'd started sooner. I didn't learn for the last almost 30, well, last uh, good 20 years anyway. There's been no major differences in what I know. It's got more refined. But I, I, I knew 20 years ago what I know now. And I wish I had, and, and even 10 years before that, I was learning it, but I knew it. The basics were there, and I could have got started easily uh, 10 or 15 years before. How many more people would be alive today if I had got started 15 years earlier? How many more lives could we have touched and, and been able to help people live and not die and have a grave like I do in McKinney, Texas? Why? That's my only regret is we didn't start sooner. Amen? Don't wait. Get started. Move toward it. Forget the obstacles. They're just mountains. Tell them to get out of the way. Keep moving forward. Most people look at a mountain and go, well, that mountain is, that mountain is 50 miles away. I'm not going to go that way because when I get there, there'll be a mountain there. No, start going the 50 miles. When you get there, the mountain will be gone, right? Things change. But most people just sit there and think the way it is, it's the way it'll always be. And yet you don't even look back to realize that it's never always been this way. It changed to be this way. And you decide how the change is going to take place in your life based on your faith in God to put you over. Amen? So, I know I got to hurry. So, do y'all get anything out of this so far? I've done preach myself happy. We're good. <laughs> Amen. So get this CD myself and listen to it. <laughs> so now, so you should use faith like a tool to get things done. Number four, based on the context of the request, increase our faith and believing that Jesus was answering their request by telling them how to increase their faith. We can say that faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger, the bigger it gets, right? You want more faith, you don't get it by praying for it. You get it 
by acting on what you already know. You use the faith you have. See, you don't look at yourself and say, well, man, if I had muscles, I'd go to the gym. No, you go to the gym to get muscles. Amen? Do you realize that when you walk out of the gym, even if you've been going there for years, you have no more muscles than you started with? You got that? You have the exact same number of muscles. Everybody in this room basically has the exact same number of muscles. The difference is in the size of the muscles. And the size of the muscles comes from exercise, right? And so you have to realize the way you get more faith is you exercise it. You use what you've got. And when you use what you've got, when they brought the little boy's lunch to Jesus, they used what they had, but they ended up with 12 baskets left over. Amen? So never think you don't have enough. It, you've always got enough to start, right? So <clears throat> now, so let me ask you this. What is the greatest miracle? What is the greatest miracle? What do we always say? What do we always hear? Salvation. Salvation. New birth. Is that right? Y'all believe that? Are you sure? Are you saved? Because yeah. I'm not... I'm not sure. You kind of. Uh, yeah. Amen. So you're sure about that. Okay. So salvation is the greatest miracle. The new birth. Right. Okay. Have you all received it? Or do I need to do an altar call? Right. Because you don't, you don't sound real sure. You're kind of sure. Kind of. It could be the most greatest miracle, I guess. Or, or you just think I'm tricking you. Is that what it is? You don't want to answer because you think I got a trick. So I'm not, I'm not going to speak up. Let them speak up because I don't look like an idiot. Right. Now that's not it either. Right. We all know that the new birth is the greatest miracle, right? Yep. How do you get the new birth? Faith in God, faith in Jesus, right? Okay. Romans 12, 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you. Now, this was written to the church. So he's saying the same thing. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt, distributed is what the word means, to every man, every person, the measure of faith. Now, the word the is not in the Greek. So God has distributed to every person measure of faith. Now, this was said right after Paul said to present your bodies a living sacrifice and renew your minds. You got that? But he said that every person has been given the metron, the measure, a measurement of faith. Right? Just like I said, every person has been given the measure of muscle. In other words, everybody has the same number. Everybody born again, everybody gets in by faith in God, by faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, right? So everybody gets in with the same faith. Do you got that? So everybody has the same faith to get in, okay? Now, <clears throat> now this passage is in reference to the body of Christ and is therefore referring to faith to be saved. Very simple. So every Christian has faith. That means they all have enough faith to get saved, now, uh, often, as we just said, it's referred to as the greatest miracle, getting saved. So if you have faith for the greatest miracle, you obviously have faith for every other thing you could ever need. You got that? If, you, if that's true, to the, if you, now, I know most people really don't even believe that's the greatest miracle. Most of them just say that because they think it sounds humble and it's what you're expected to say. But it really is because based on that, everything, you get everything else. It really is the greatest miracle, right? And so, and even if there was nothing else, even if you got saved and dropped dead, went straight to be with Jesus, it'd still be the greatest miracle. I mean, come on, you would get out of all of this, right? That'd be a good thing for the most point. Now, so <clears throat> you obviously have faith. If you had faith to get saved, you have enough faith. And you say, well, we know that if you got saved, you had at least faith the size of a grain of mustard seed because that's the smallest amount listed. And we know if you got saved, you got saved by faith. 
So we know you have at least that much. And we know that if you have that much, then you have enough to move a mountain. Right? Are you with me so far? All right, now, Yashua, you're getting way more excited over this than, than you are. Okay? Hopefully, I'm, I'm just going to believe. I'm not going to look at you. I'm just going to believe <laughs> that you're thinking about this. Right? And then it's settling down in you. Right? And then on the way home, be like popcorn. You're just going to explode in the car. You're going to go, glory to God. I got faith. I can do anything. Right? And then you're going to give me a call. Right? And you're going to say, Brother Curry, what do we, what do we need to believe for? Let, let's do a faith project. Where are we at? Right? And I'm going to say, well, you got it. Amen? Because that's, that's what happened. Because I'm, I'm telling you, the more you start to realize what God has given you opportunity to experience, the, 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 there are no limits, right? The opportunities are limitless. And we have to realize that's who God intended us to be. What could Jesus do when he was on the earth? That's what you're supposed to be able to do right now. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Amen? Amen? And we're to grow up to look like him, to be like him. Did he ever, do you ever see him nervous? Ever see him worried about, well, I don't know if I have enough faith. Don't know if I have enough anointing. Don't know if I have enough gift. Don't know if I have enough power. You never see any of that. He just walked with God. Amen? And he knew that, well, of course, my father. God, I know you always hear me. And, and I know if you hear me, I know that I have what I ask. So I just thank you for it. And you start to live this way. Amen? So, now, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This has to do with Paul talking about living uh, rough in you know, two different ways, really. So you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Is that true or false? Are you sure? What does that mean in your life? If you could change something in your life, what would it be? What would you change? If, if somebody said, listen, you know... If somebody like Bill Gates said, listen, I've been, I've been watching you, you know, yeah, you made some mistakes and everything, but, you know, I just want to help you. What can I do for you? Right? And you say, well, what, what do you mean? Well, you know, I'm basically one of the richest men in the world. So what could I do for what, what area of your life could my riches help you in? How could I help you? What do you need help in? What would you tell him? Because I guarantee you, God has more. Guarantee it. Amen. And God's not just limited into the finances. Come on. We've been talking about that a little bit, but, you know, mainly what I'm trying to get across to you is God can help in any area. You know, maybe God, maybe, maybe some man told you, well, this, you're just going to have to deal with this the rest of your life. This, this sickness, this illness, this disease, it's going to be this way. There is no hope. There is no cure. Nobody's ever come back from that. Well, okay, you've talked to the wrong physician. You need to talk to the God that doesn't have a limit. Not the man in a white coat that thinks he's God. Right? You need to be able to say, no, this is the way. Guess what? I'm going to be the first one. This has never been recorded, healed. Oh, boy. I'm going to be in the history books. Why? Because this is getting healed. Amen? And, and, and when, they, when they interview me, I'm going to tell them, Jesus. Amen? Not, well, a spontaneous remission. No, nothing spontaneous about it. Right? You need to realize, God wants to meet your needs. He wants you to glorify Him by you having faith in Him. You have faith. Stretch it. Do more than you've ever done before. Trust him. I'm not talking about, well, I'm just saying just trust him. Okay? All things are possible to him that believes. Mark 9, 23. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Faith is a choice. Make the choice to walk in faith. Amen? It's a choice. You can decide to live a different life. How, how do you want your life different? 
because God wants your life in a way that he can use you. <clears throat> Daniel eleven thirty two says, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Hear that? Do you know God? Because if you do, you'll be strong and no exploits. Well, I'm not strong, but you know, that's the whole point. I'm not strong. Yeah, Joel 3.10. See, we believe in Joel 2 because that's talking about Pentecost. Well, Joel 3 comes after Joel 2. So after Pentecost, here he says, Beat your plowshares into swords, your printing hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. So, well, <clears throat> it says that those that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Well, I'm not strong. Well, let the weak say, I'm strong, and you'll become strong. Why? Because faith speaks before it, before it is, right? Faith calls those things which be not as though they were. Don't talk about what you got. Talk about what you want to have. Amen? Don't talk about how you are. Talk about how you want to be. And when you talk about how you want to be, you become that. Amen? You will never move forward talking about how you are. That's one of the worst things you can do as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a parent. Worst thing you can do is talk to your spouse or talk to your children about how they are. You need to be talking about how they are to be. Amen? I'm not talking about ignoring problems. I'm just saying you need to be telling them, look, you're better than this. That's not who God created you to be. This is who God created you to be. This is how God sees you. And you start bringing that out. Amen? And listen, well, we'll talk about that another time. <clears throat> Finally, Hebrews 11:33, Who through faith subdued kingdoms. Faith subdued kingdoms. Faith wrought righteousness. Faith obtained promises. You hear that? You can obtain promises through faith. Stop the mouths of lions. Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Now listen to this. Remember, I'm not strong. Yep, let the weak say I'm strong. Okay? Out of weakness was made strong. How? By faith. By faith you can become strong. He said, but you don't understand. I've always had a weakness. Uh, you know, I can avoid any, I, I, I can resist anything but temptation. You know, you ever seen those signs? Okay, guess what? If you're weak, you can be made strong by faith. Faith will make you strong so that you can resist anything. Amen? <clears throat> Through faith. Well, out of weakness made strong. Wax valiant in fight. That means cowards can be made brave. Through faith. Turn to flight the armies of the aliens or the invaders. Through faith. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Not accepting deliverance. It was offered, wasn't accepted. That they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings, scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Hear that? That's God's opinion of people of faith. Imagine, you know, people say, well, what, you know, what, what do you believe about the rapture? Well, right there, you know, the world isn't worthy. Maybe God's just going to pull them out because the world isn't worthy, right? Okay. They wandered in deserts, mountains, dens, caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. They obtained promises, but they didn't receive the promise. You get that? Through faith. God having provided some better thing for us. You hear that? All of that they got, but they didn't get the promise. But guess what? We got the promise. Imagine that. They went through all of that and didn't get the promise. They obtained promises, but they didn't get the promise. And here we are. We come along, you know, at the end of the day, so to speak, and we get the promise that they didn't even get. 
And then we look back at them and go, ooh, oh, spirit of Elijah. Ooh, Moses, oh, wow. Oh, if we could just be. No, having, a, having provided some better thing for us. Do you realize you're better than they were? Why? Because you got the thing that they were hoping for. And yet, what do we do? We sit around like little beggars on the side of the street saying, oh, please, you know, God, if you have some crumbs. And he said, no, you don't understand who you are. You're sons and daughters of God. Amen. You speak to that mountain. Yes. You tell that mountain, get out of my way. Why? Because I'm going somewhere. He said, where are you going? It don't matter. Get out of the way. <laughs> Amen. And you start speaking to it and you start saying, this is who I, this, I have the promise. I am born again. I am a new creation. I'm a son or daughter of the living God. How dare you think that you can resist me? The gates of hell shall not prevail against me because I'm the church. Amen. And you start speaking to that thing and you start saying, no, this is the way it'll be. Well, you know, it always, well, I don't care how it always is. Maybe, do you know you can have two people living in the same house? God blessing one and the other not experiencing any of the blessings. You know, that can happen. Why? Because God is that much of a surgeon. I mean, he can pinpoint the blessings. Why? Because this person will be in faith and that person won't be. Amen. And now they may receive some of the benefit of it just by being around somebody. But let me tell you, you don't want to be the person who just gets the benefit of being around. You need to be the source of the benefit. You need to heaven to be pouring through you. And because of your faith and your connection with God, we need to be a people that say, you know what? Nothing else matters but this word. This word is truth. Well, yeah, but you know, sometimes. No, 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 no. Well, here, let me tell you, always, always thanks be unto God. Why? Always causes me to triumph in him. Amen. See, I don't have to go that way. Well, this is the way, it, you know, that that, that 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 happens. No, it's not the way it happens. Let me tell you how it happens. Through faith, Amen. that happens, right? You do it your way, I'll do it God's way. And we'll see who gets to the finish line first. Amen? Because there ain't no stopping somebody that's in faith. Only the people that are in doubt and unbelief, they're the ones that stop. You have to decide. It'll be this way and no other. Why? You know, and I've always heard people, well, who died and made you king? Jesus. That's who did it. <laughs> he died and made me king. I'm a king. He's king of kings, and I'm one of them that he's king of. So there you go, right? And if you don't like that, talk to him about it, right? Or try the other kingdom you came from, right? Either way, so, all right? Now, finally, that they without us should not be made perfect. Well, you know, I just... I just wish I knew that was talking about me. Well, who else could it be talking about? Right? We're the people of the new covenant. We have a better, better covenant with better promises. But you have to choose to exercise and use the faith that you are born again with. You hear that? You've got, okay, I'll throw one more thing at you. Promise. Yeah, one more thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. You remember the parable that Jesus gave about the talents and how the person buried the talents, right? And, you know, to one he gave one, one five, one ten, and they buried him. And, and it's funny because the one that had the one, they buried the one. And you know the, in, the outcome. It actually even said he was taken out and beaten with many stripes, right? So it's not good to bury, to bury the talent that Jesus gave. But notice the story. The one that had five made five more. The one that had ten made ten more. Isn't that right? So he kept the, the ones that had grew, but the one that had the one and buried it. Now, most people never use their faith but one time when they get born again. And then they bury their faith and they just wait for Jesus to either 
rescue them out of here or until they die. And you need to realize your faith is that talent. You need to plant it, not bury it. When you plant something, you expect it to grow out. When you bury it, you don't expect to see it again. You understand the difference? And we need to realize, don't bury your talent of faith. You have faith. Use it to increase. Use it to bring increase for the kingdom of God. Amen? Don't bury the talent of faith that you have. Stretch. Don't, don't say, well, I believe. Well, you know, I spoke in tongues one time 20 years ago. No, no, speak in tongues every day. Amen. You ought to be in a race with the Apostle Paul. He said, I, I, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. You ought to say, well, Paul, I'm catching up. Right? Because he only lived about another 30 years after that. So, you, you know, you, can, you could catch up with him if you get after it. Amen? So, we need to realize, choose to use the faith. You know, as I said earlier, the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can believe, is that someone else is anointed with a special anointing, a special gifting, uh, something that causes them to maybe see things differently or whatever, more, you know, more clearly or whatever it is. The worst thing you can believe is that God gave them something special that you don't have or can't get. Why? Because that automatically cuts you out. See, well, they have great faith because they were called to a special ministry. You would not believe how many times I've heard that. People tell, well, yeah, but you don't understand, Christy. You're, you're called to a special ministry. You got a special gift. You got, let me tell you, my special gift, as you want to call it, <clears throat> didn't make it easy. Why? Because I, you've never heard me claim a special anointing, a special gift, that I was special in any way. You've never heard me say anything like that. Why? Because I do not believe that. I believe that God gave us all faith and that we choose whether we exercise it or not. And if we exercise it, we bring him glory. And if we bring him glory, then we also please him with our faith. But if we choose not to, then we don't please him. Amen. And, and therefore we can't bring him the glory. So, you know, people say, well, but I'm not called to this, you know. Uh, yeah, you're called to love and to serve a great God. Amen. Same calling I have. Now, our functioning in the body may be different. We're all called to the same thing, to look like Jesus, to act like him, talk like him, right? And the things, and, and you are called to do the things that, and to help him get done the things that he wants done. <clears throat> he wants to do them. I'm just going to read this to you real quick. He wants to do them not through great people, right? Why does, the, okay, God doesn't use the Bible is very clear. He doesn't choose the wise and the great. Why? Because when he takes the meek, the lowly, the people who have no hope, the people that have no future, and he uses them, it shows how great he is. If he only chose great people, it wouldn't show how great he is. But when he chooses people that aren't great to do great things through, it shows how great he is. But too many of his people are satisfied not doing great things because they're convinced they have no greatness in them. You have greatness in you. It's called Jesus. Yeah. He is in you. Amen? And he can do great things through you. He can do things you've never even thought of. And he wants you to do great things because he's a great God. George Mueller didn't have special faith. He had developed faith. That's what I want to get to you. Smith Wiggles or John Lake didn't have special faith. He had developed faith. See, nobody in this room has special faith. Right. But we can all have developed faith. Do You get that? You can take your faith and develop it. John Lake didn't have special faith. He had developed faith. Smith Wigglesworth didn't have special faith. He had developed faith. Lester Summerall didn't have special faith. He developed his faith. I don't have special faith. I've developed my faith in God. 
and I'm not near, near done yet. Amen. Uh, Dr. Summerall said, uh, and last time, one of the things I heard, he said, I'm 78. In two years, I'll be 80. And when I turn 80, I'm going to really get started. <laughs> he said, because Moses got started at 80 and did more from 80 to 120 than he did all whole time before. And so I was reading that the other day, and I remember Dr. Summerall talking about times in people's lives. And he says, from birth to 40, uh, normally you don't even know what's going on, right? You're just trying to figure it out. You learn some things. And then from 40 to 60, he said, uh, then that, at that point, uh, you start to share some of the things you've learned. And he said, but then from 60 to 80, you start trying to, you start realizing nothing really matters. And you just want to give away everything that you've learned, everything you've got, and you just want to give it out. And he said, and that starts when you're about 60. Well, I'm 58. And I'm just getting started. Amen. We've learned some things and I'm trying to share them with you. And I'm telling you, because if, if, I, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going in God. I know where I'm going in faith. And I'm telling you, you can do the same thing in your life and hopefully greater. Amen. But you've got to be dissatisfied with the way things are. Because as William Booth said, nobody ever built a statue to a man that was willing to leave well enough alone. We can't let well enough alone. We've got to decide things. That I, I don't know how many times I have talked to people individually, not from the pulpit, about people that walk their dogs and have to pick up dog poop. <laughs> All right? I, I don't think I've ever mentioned this from the pulpit. Okay? <laughs> but I always saw that and I thought, there is no way that I'm going to walk a dog and pick up his poop. <laughs> right? I have dominion over animals. I'm not a dog dung picker-upper. <laughs> all right? That's just not, I'm not called to that at all. You got that? And then I, and I, I thought, that is ridiculous. That I, you see these people walking around with dogs on a leash with a plastic bag over their hand. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> all right? I'm just, I, it, it's not going to happen. Right? And then, I saw a commercial on television where you see these uh, bags of potato chips where they have the clips, especially for bags of potato chips, where they have this clip specially made that fits around a dog's tail <laughs> that you attach little plastic bags to it. <laughs> Seriously. And, and uh, the commercial shows the dogs going to the bathroom. Well, they don't go to the bathroom. Actually, they just poop anywhere out in public. And it shows it. And then they stand up and they, have, they take the little bag full of dog dung. And they wave it around and they're smiling. Right? I still wouldn't be smiling. No matter what. It might have made it easier, but I'm still not going to smile. All right? But I watched that commercial and I thought, that's a million dollar idea that I should have had. Because I hated even the idea of picking up dog dung. And I don't even have a dog, right? But I thought I should have had that idea. But somebody hated picking up dog dung more than I did, I guess. And they came up with an idea that's going to make them a million dollars. Now, how many of you know if somebody can come up with an idea of capturing dog dung before it hits the ground? <laughs> there are other ideas that could be used for the glory of the kingdom of God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Now, I promise you, if you look at my notes, these, what I've just spoken is not in there. Okay? I will tell you. <laughs> but, but you just have to realize God is so creative. 
in you. There are areas, okay, that haven't even been touched on. Everybody, th you know, back in the uh, late 1800s, uh, they said they were going to close the patent office because they said there, there's nothing else that could possibly be invented. In the 1800s, think about that. And look at all the stuff that's happened since then. It's because they were small-minded people who had not given God right-of-way to be creative in them. Amen? All it takes is one idea. And God is full of them. Just most people won't ever talk to him about them. So he can't share them. So, anyway. Finally, I know I've said that a bunch of times. I'm just going to finish reading this. I took the time to read it. You can take the time to listen. Okay? And to write it. Okay? Now, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have developed my faith. Not near as much as we're going to. And if you don't believe it, and if you don't like this, then just hide and watch, right? And just sit back and watch what goes on instead of joining in. But I will tell you this, God didn't dump anything on me, right? I went after it. I went after the promises. I went after what he said would please him. And I'm still going after it, still pushing, still growing, still stretching. I, I, I choose to stretch. I studied, I read. I, as I said, I took the lowest paying jobs just so I could study and read and work deep nights and that kind of stuff just to develop my faith, I told God I didn't care about anything else. I just wanted pure faith. You've never heard me claim any type of special anything. I'm determined that when the Son of Man returns, He will find faith in the earth, at least whatever part of it I'm in, He's going to find it in me. You should make that same decision. Amen. So all I'm saying is, how about you? What do you, what, what do you think? You know, are you just satisfied to exist another day until you die to go be with the Lord? Or, 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 or do you want to actually make your life count for something bigger than yourself? So, are you going to have a strong, living, overcoming, victorious faith? Or are you going to be hiding and waiting for somebody else to have and save you with their faith? More and more, I'm hearing reports of people, and this is a point I want to really make. I'm hearing reports of people saying that I said that they don't need faith. And they use that as an excuse so that they don't have to have faith. And they'll say, well, Brother Curry said, I don't have to have faith. You're supposed to have faith for me and get me healed. Right? Now, uh, they're using it so they don't have to do anything. Now, I will tell you the truth. That is not the purpose of that truth that I discovered because I, I discovered the truth that we can actually have faith for other people. But I did not discover that truth for the purpose of letting people decide, I don't have to have faith. I'll go to somebody that can have it for me. I discovered that truth because the body of Christ had been in bondage to where we could not just minister to somebody and set them free. We thought that we had to get faith to them. But now selfish people have taken that truth and distorted it and tried to make it a serve me do for me and instead of, wow, now I can have faith for somebody else. See, all they're thinking is, oh, somebody can have faith for me. They're not thinking I can have faith for somebody else. And we've had people call here and get mad whenever, they, whenever somebody would tell them, look, you know, yeah, we will believe for you, but, you know, have faith in God. Well, I don't have to have faith. Well, I don't have to pray for you. <laughs> right? I mean, come on, you know. Well, it, it wouldn't be right. Well, it's not right that you don't have faith. Well, you're not going to make God happy. Well, I may not make God happy, but you're not making God happy. Why? Because I have faith and we operate in faith. 
And now you're telling me that I got to have faith for you. No, I have found out that I can. And, and we do. And our people do. And we pray for people and we minister to people and set them free. But don't ever use that as an excuse for you that, well, I don't have to have faith. No, you can go to hell. That's what you can do. Why? Because if you don't have faith, that's where you're going. Right? You have to have faith in Jesus to stay out of there. And if you got faith in Jesus to stay out, you got faith to be healed. You got that? Because that's the greatest miracle. Isn't that right? New birth, greatest miracle. Come on. We have to decide this. And then people want to say, well, but you don't understand. Uh, you know, I don't have any faith. Why? What makes you think that? Because you choose not to? You can choose to have faith. That, that's how you get saved. You choose to have faith in Jesus. Amen? So, if, well, I will just say this. If you turn around and tell anybody that prays for you, well, Curry said, I don't have to have faith, okay? Number one, you're a spiritual hitchhiker. Grow up and think about using your faith to help somebody else. Don't just think of yourself. If you're born again, you have faith, right? You couldn't have got born again if you didn't. Don't bury the talent that God gave you. God gave you the talent of faith. Use it. Don't bury it. You will be responsible. To whom much is given, much is required. Amen? Okay, I know y'all got real quiet on that last part. But at some point, we got to realize, with, with the direction things are going, we're going to need all hands on deck. Amen? You, you can't just sit back and watch people dying and say, well, I hope, you know, the three people praying at front that they can get it done. No, that's why Jesus ordained the 12. That's why he ordained the 70. Why? He needed more hands. That's why I share this with you. I'm not sharing this with you so you can say, oh, I can use faith now. I'm going to go get rich. No, that, they've already tried that. That's not the direction. You use faith to bring glory to God and to please him. Amen? And to do that, that means that we have to be involved in people's lives, that we have to be willing to go the extra mile and help people. But don't ever try to use that against people whenever you say, well, you got to have faith for me, right? No, we're helping you get to where you can have faith in God. You need faith in God. If you're born again, you got it. Now use it. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand up. Y'all getting anything out of these um, teachings on faith that we've been doing lately? Because if you get a hold of it, I'll tell you, it'll change your life. But I'll tell you this, this is why, I mean, think about this. This is why we know the names of Smith Wigglesworth, Lester Summerall, John Lake, Mother Edder, Amy Summerall McPherson. Why? Because they were people that used their faith to bring glory to God. That's how we know about them, right? I, I preached a message a long time ago that said, will your gospel die with you? If you could not ever witness again, right now, from this day forward, could not witness, could not preach, could not minister to anybody, couldn't pray for anybody, not, I mean, just everything stopped right now. Would your gospel, what you say you believe, would it carry on or would it die with you? Because I can tell you, I, I'm, I'm convinced now, for years, uh, I was wondering, but I'm convinced that if I pass from the scene tomorrow, my gospel would not die with me. It's been passed to enough people who will be faithful to pass it on to other faithful people who will continue to pass it on. And that's why I'm trying to tell you 
that the essence of everything, it's not giftings, it's not anointings, all that stuff, man, that's in God's hands. What counts is faith in God. If you have faith in God, all things are possible. Stretch yourself. Don't be satisfied with status quo life. You were never called to that. Amen? You weren't called to be the employee of the month. That is not your highest calling. Amen? Your highest calling is being a son, being a daughter of the living God and showing you're a son or daughter by acting like the son and being like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, Father. in the name of Jesus, Jesus. I believe your words. I believe your word is true. true. You said said, all things are possible. possible. I believe believe. all things are possible. possible. You said said, that if I believe in my heart heart, and not doubt in my heart heart, that I can have whatever I say say. and I believe that word word. so I will begin to say say what your word says says. and I believe your word I will stand on your word and I will stand when all others flee. When everyone says I'm crazy, I will say I'm with God and I choose to stand with God. I will move forward. I will grow. I will stretch my faith to glorify you, Father. And in the name of Jesus, There are no limits limits. to your power, God. God. And therefore, therefore, I choose choose to take the limits off of my faith. To To do greater things today today by faith in you you than I did yesterday. yesterday. To do greater things tomorrow tomorrow by faith in you you than I did today. today. And every day my day will grow brighter and brighter because my faith will grow stronger and stronger. And I thank you that all things are possible. So Father, show me, point out some areas in my life that I can use my faith in you to grow and to glorify you. Stretch me, Lord. Take me to places places I've never been yet yet. in the realm of faith. faith. And I will rejoice with you. you. In Jesus' name, name. so be it. it. Amen. 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 All right. Well, amen. Well, you are dismissed.